this very special holiday episode, I'll be speaking to Laura, who, like me, is an American living far from home, and we'll mainly discuss cross-cultural celebrations and the struggles that arise from trying to maintain our own traditions while living in a different country. If you've ever lived outside your home country, I'm sure you'll be able to relate. We'll share some stories and discuss our challenges, but also highlight the value of connecting with new cultures while preserving our own traditions. It's a really heartwarming episode, so grab a cup of hot cocoa, some gingerbread cookies, and let's get started. I'm Bianca, your personal American accent coach, and I'm here to help you master an American accent in English because your voice is your choice when it comes to how you sound. I release a podcast episode every two weeks, so you should subscribe to whatever podcast platform you use so that you don't miss any new episodes. And by the way, if you want to see a full video of the episode, it's available at Accent Coach Bianca on YouTube. Now let's get on with the show. Thanks so much for joining me, Laura. This is going to be so much fun. How have you been? Good. Thank you. It's been a while since I've seen you. I'll say it's been a spring and a summer and now almost fall. <laughs> yes, it's almost fall. And fall is really one of my favorite times of the year. Since you're in the Netherlands, then if you have kind of that same feeling of fall, you're from kind of the East Coast, right? So you had that whole no, fall I'm changing color. I'm just in Texas. So oh, we that's didn't right. Have any fall, you really hot summer to kind of summer to a little <laughs> bit colder to maybe freeze once and then hot again. Back to hot again. Yes. Sounds like how it is here for me in Mexico. <laughs> Everyone says, oh, we have four seasons. No, you have one season that gets a little warmer and then you get some rain sometimes. Yeah, I think it's much like Texas here. So we know each other because you were in my Accent Teachers Academy for some time. And tell us a little bit about what the work that you do and what it is that you do. So I am also an American accent coach and I work mainly with actors. Since I live in the Netherlands, I kind of have a niche where I work particularly with a lot of Dutch actors who want to break into more international roles. And especially since COVID, that's become even a bigger deal because often companies are recording and filming and doing stuff in Europe or nearby. So it's a lot easier to find those kinds of roles. And also a lot of the big streaming companies now take on Dutch shows or all these other things. So there's a lot more connection and networks being made and therefore a lot more demand, I think, for English speaking roles and for me particularly working with the American accent. And I think also that there's a lot of actors here who they already speak excellent English, but they've been speaking with a Dutch accent for many years. So for me, I help them with that and getting rid of that or neutralizing it. And then I also work with a lot of non-Dutch speakers or non-actors to help them also neutralize their accent. That can be from any language background, but mainly people who work a lot in English or specifically have an American firm or somebody that they're working for that they just want to feel more confident speaking. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's something that I love about the job is increasing somebody's confidence. And also when you work with actors and then later you see them in a commercial or you hear their voice over on something, it's just so nice to be like, oh, I'm really helping people with their work, with how they feel yeah. about these things. Yeah, I, I also love that too. And how did you get into this line of work? Because you're originally from Texas and what brought you then yeah. to the Netherlands? Well, via lots of different places. But when I was in, in Houston, I went to the performing arts high school and studied classical singing for many years. And then from there, I went to college in Northeastern Ohio and then 
decided there to switch gears and I moved into theater and more specifically theater directing. And then I did a master's in London doing theater directing and then met my husband or now husband and he got a job in the Netherlands. So I kind of moved here without no idea of the Dutch language and kind of in the middle of starting things up in my directing career in London and kind of not knowing really what to do next. So I actually started a theater company here, an English language theater company. And I got to know a lot of people doing theater and film and stuff in the Netherlands. And then people started coming to me to get some advice on speaking better. And so after kind of working with a couple people for nothing and then figuring it out, I kind of developed my own method. And I've been doing this now for at least 10 years. I feel like I have a pretty good ear for the Dutch and, and specifically what that needs changing. But also, yeah, it's a very, I live in Amsterdam, it's a very international place. And I get people Zooming me from Helsinki or from... Paris or wherever they might be, as well as in Amsterdam, they'll even come to my house. Or so they're in the middle of filming and then we go through scenes together so they could be in Italy filming because they need a volcano or something. It's exciting and it's fun. And sometimes like people will ask me what I do. I don't know if you have this experience. They'll ask you what you're doing. And I'm so used to all these kind of weird, crazy things that for me, it doesn't like, it doesn't shock me anymore. Or it doesn't like how should I say? It doesn't slap me in the face quite so much anymore. But then when somebody asks and you're explaining what you do, then you see their face. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> that's not like the normal kind of thing to do. And I don't know if you get that experience where like you see somebody, whoa, get really excited about what you do. I'm like, yeah, it is cool. Yeah. Then I get, oh, I shouldn't talk to you. I, I must sound really awful. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm not working right now. It's fine. And everything's fine. And however you speak is fine. Sound great. Yeah, they kind of clam up sometimes. And you're like, no, it's okay. Yes, yes, that's very. And then I get, oh, you must have worked with some really famous people. And of course, they know those famous people. But most of the rest of the world are like, mm, not sure who they are. And then I have to find a series that they might be speaking English in and mm -hmm, connect mm -hmm. with I know who that is. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Credibility. Yeah, I think we have a lot of similar experiences because we are both native English speakers, but also t in the work that we do more specifically, but also doing it while we're living outside of the country. So I feel like we have some similarities there. And especially for me, since we said, oh, it's fall time. To me, this is my favorite time of year because I really love some of the holidays that are coming up. And they seem to be kind of American specific. You've got Thanksgiving, you've got Halloween. A, a lot of the world celebrates the, the fall solstice, whereas a lot of Americans don't. So I feel like there's kind of a, a cultural clash sometimes, or at least some interesting things going on there. And since you grew up in Texas, I imagine you have a pretty strong history of celebrating some of those things. And that's yeah. been a real different experience now that you're no longer in the US. Yeah. I just remember going trick-or-treating for Halloween and sweating under my costumes because it was always still so hot. I had the opposite experience. I had to put a snowsuit on over my costume. So <laughs> it never really mattered what we were wearing underneath because you could never see it. And we would have to drive from house to house because it was too cold to walk and children would get frostbite. Okay. Well, I grew up in upstate New York, close to Canada. So okay. yeah, lots of snow. By the time we were putting on mummy masks and things like that, it was often still sometimes snowing, I should say, but at least cold enough to have to bundle up on top of your costume. So right. I had the opposite experience there, but still very American. So Halloween's going to be the first one coming up. What are your maybe 
memories of Halloween and how that's significantly different now that you're no longer in the U.S.? Well, I mean, everyone went trick-or-treating no matter what. And then usually the weekend before was a big Halloween party, right? Or if it was slightly after, it was maybe Dia de los Muertos because in mm. Texas, maybe more of a thing. I'm more of a connection to that. But I just remember having parties and dressing up and costumes. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I went to this performing arts high school. And that was an amazing holiday there because everybody would come up with the most incredible, crazy, funny ironic costumes that you can imagine. <laughs> I remember somebody walked to school as a tornado. You know, wow. They, wow. Like t- or people would come as in groups of like famous boy bands or girl bands or, uh-huh. you know, really think about it and put it yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I don't want to... I want to interject for a second and say, I think it's true for you too, but we're talking about in the time, kind of like early internet, if at all, and how yeah. nowadays, like you always Google, oh, what's a good group costume or what's what's a fun, easy costume? What's a cheap costume? It's so easy to think of these, the not think of, but just to find these ideas for Halloween costumes. Yeah. But in the past, you really had to like think about it and, yeah. and make sure nobody else was going to be a tornado. It was crazy. Or my favorite was back in the day, you'd have, these funny characters on Saturday Night Live. I had these two friends. It was a guy and a girl, and they were both best friends. And they were the cheerleaders. Oh yes, remember that? Uh-huh. That. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't remember the champ, but they were terrific. I yeah. mean, you couldn't have come up with a better uh, costume. <laughs> theater fusing mm-hmm. people. Ah, that's really interesting. So that's where like your experience was definitely different than mine in high school. But also you're right. I didn't think about the fact that Texas is so close to Mexico. So you would also be celebrating Day of the Dead. Whereas me, upstate New York, far away as could be, had not really heard of it. Yeah. And now that I'm actually in Mexico, it's funny that this is the one that I'm celebrating more than Halloween now. Yeah, it's yeah. becoming more popular here in Mexico to, to dress up and have parties and things like that. But when I first arrived about six years ago, I had a friend who had kids and we would walk the kids around the neighborhood. And most people just didn't even know what these children <laughs> yeah. were doing all dressed up. And it was a little bit weird. And there's one person, it's kind of classic and ironic, but there's this older woman in my friend's neighborhood where we'd walk her kids around. This is here in Mexico. She's very religious, I think. And she would say, don't come near my house this is blasphemy these children they're they're not being educated correctly and, and things like that and it was really scary for the for the little kids and they're like where do we just want to have fun they definitely got their tricks at those <laughs> yeah to me it reminded me of the haunted scooby-doo haunted house thing and they were like don't go near that woman's house skip like, and then go to like the next one people that give out fruit yes yes <laughs> i feel like i'm that person now i'm the lady that's here have a fruit have a piece of fruit have an apple no fun no well, fun that's a very good idea these days but <laughs> yeah but, but no fun <laughs> not the same not the same yes <laughs> so what are you doing now that you're in the netherlands do you do any parties do you dress up your own kids what do you do in the last couple of years we have done a little bit of dressing up although the last not last year but the year Years before that, it was COVID and just kind of at the point where they were starting to understand what Halloween was. And so I remember one year of the lockdown, we had the kids trick or treat like room to room in our house. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. And then last year I took them to a party. And then let me think. 
This year, I hadn't really planned anything. It always seems to c creep up on me I, mm. here because it's so not a big deal. But then it started happening where you see a lot of stuff in the stores now. Mm. Where you see Halloween costumes and stuff that which if, if you were here five or even 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been a thing. So I would say within the expat community, you might get some parties or uh, things like that, but not so much. The thing mm. is in the Netherlands, we have this also a children's type holiday it's on the 11th of november it's um saint martin and it's a more religious holiday but the children go around and they've made little lamps and you go around to people's houses and you sing songs and everyone gets candy at the end a few years ago i tried to do that in my neighborhood where i would have a halloween party and I put it out in the WhatsApp group for the whole neighborhood. And everyone's like, oh, we don't want to participate in that because a few days later, we're going to be giving out candy again to all the kids. So oh. I was like, bummer, you're not going to yeah. do trick or treat for my children. <laughs> yes. And candy, like more candy, better. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like, why, would you say, that? why would you say no to more candy? That doesn't make children but sense. I mean, St. Martin is a very sweet thing and, and it gets the whole neighborhood together, but you don't get to dress up. You don't get to be uh, yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah, that's half the fun is dressing up and, and putting in the effort, I feel like, is the thing. I was always resentful of people who just went and bought their costume. I'm like, really? <laughs> and probably from your theater background, that's what? Such a cop out. Yeah. all Well, definitely not for a religious holiday, but well, and it does have its origins, right? In kind of a religious way. But of course, we changed it so much in the U.S. So in, yeah. in the St. Martin's holiday, can you speak a little bit more about what that is? Because you said you have a light. So it seems like maybe there's a connection there. Is it something about spirits and death and fall? Or do you know what the origin is of that? I think it had something to do with St. Martin giving to charity hmm. or orphans or charity or something like that. I'm sorry. For no, no, it's fine. I was just curious. I don't remember, but I think that was the deal. And a few Scandinavian countries celebrate it, and I think they do it in France as well. I know they do it in Sweden. So it's, yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's always on the same day as ours, but it's definitely a thing. It's kind of like mm -hmm. you, it's great. It's like a light festival. That's why I was curious if it was a seasonal thing because, oh, it's becoming the darker time of the year. Like, yeah. I feel like there's things around the fall that a lot of cultures celebrate or celebrated in the past that now maybe they've changed. That's what I'm thinking about yeah. like for, for Halloween. So I was like, oh, maybe they're distantly related, but it sounds like probably not in this case. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Halloween is very much a commercial American oh, yeah. holiday. Oh yeah, now it's all about yeah the candy and the costumes and the money makers and yes yeah. and getting the forty foot skeleton Home Depot or whatever. <laughs> yeah, now it's just How scary. Can you make your front yard? Yeah, now it's, it's this thing that's like. I don't know, maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but all of those things to me, they're not really the Halloween. To me, the Halloween is the dressing up and the thinking of the ideas and getting together with friends and just like having a good time and a good laugh. And to, to me also, another distinctly American holiday, let's say in the fall, has got to be Thanksgiving. I loved Thanksgiving forever. And I think part of it was the, the same thing. It was this idea of, oh, we're all getting together, right? We're all just pausing and sharing this thing. And it certainly doesn't quite mean the same thing that it used to mean. And now it's a thing. It's also very commercialized. For example, for me here in Mexico, what, like right now I can go to Costco 
And in about, what, in about three weeks, we're going to start seeing all the cranberry sauce, all the stuffing, all the prepackaged. Basically, Thanksgiving at Costco is how people here in Mexico, expats anyways, will be celebrating Thanksgiving. So what is that like for you now? I would say Thanksgiving is definitely an expat holiday here. The problem for most of us is that we all still have to work that Thursday. So it makes it very difficult to get people together on Thanksgiving. I mean, a few years ago I did when our kids were a lot younger, but nowadays if I can get a pie in the oven, I'm good. And we also don't have the long weekend here. So it's harder for families to get together for that time. And I think the biggest thing of Thanksgiving or that anybody would have any sense of here is Black Friday. Because for uh, some yeah. everyone here has taken on Black Friday. Uh, <laughs> I understand that. And mm-hmm. thankfully, there's a bit of a pushback from local vendors say, shop local, we're not doing Black Friday because we can't afford it, basically. <laughs> but that's a, another weird kind of commercial thing that mm-hmm. somehow has been adopted here and kind of takes away from the true meaning of Thanksgiving, which is yeah. getting together. And it really um, overshadows it. I, for, I had forgotten about that. We do the same thing here in Mexico and they have like a Black Friday, but they also have this other kind of a Mexican Black Friday, which is not at the same time, but around the same time. So then you have that thing you mentioned where you end up having two kind of similar, I don't know if Black Friday is considered a holiday. It almost is now because it's basically commercial. But then we have this confusion. We're like, oh, you mean Mexican Black Friday or American Black Friday? And yeah, it's just like it's all kind of mixed together now. And I forgot what you were saying earlier. I gave up years ago here trying to do Thanksgiving on an actual Thursday. Like that was not going to be an option. You know? Yeah. 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 And I don't know if you have this too, but we have a lot of Canadians who live here as well. And Canadian Thanksgiving is, I think, a month or six weeks earlier. So when my Thanksgiving rolls around, they're like, oh, yeah, we already did that. And because also when we lived in the UK, I would always host a Thanksgiving and have all my expat friends come over and we'd all bring a dish and fun as well. But it's hard to get a turkey that soon. Yes. And at least in the UK and here, especially here, it's impossible practically to get a full turkey until Christmas. I've had a few Thanksgivings where it's a few baked sweet potatoes and turkey breast. I'm doing the best I can and trying to get the <laughs> sense in there. Yeah. Look how big these chickens are. Yay, Thanksgiving. And then I've done things like, I feel like now a lot of the side dishes that I would normally have prepared at Thanksgiving are very much now at Christmas. My dad made this amazing cornbread what we call it dressing in the South. And he would put jalapenos in it. And that always goes down so well at Christmas. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I call it stuffing. And I know there's technically a difference. I guess the stuffing is the one where you stuff the bird with it. So it's a little moister. And dressing is the one outside of it. And I always make it outside, but I still call it stuffing. And here I was like, oh, guys, I've got this thing that I want you to try. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Who doesn't love stuffing? But cornbread stuffing sounds really fantastic here. I should try that this year. Cornbread dressing is really a southern thing. You Uh, get that more than the breaded one that you get in the north. Oh, I'm going to have to bug you for the recipe then. Because here I am in Mexico, corn, corn, corn. They would love a cornbread stuffing. Yeah, you can get cornmeal, I'm sure. Yeah, my guess is they'd be like, oh, this is delicious or oh, what an abomination. We have already all the best corn things. So it could go either way. Jalapenos fresh. Exactly. Where do we have all this? Let's just put it together. Yeah, I would say stuffing, dressing, one of my favorite things for Thanksgiving. If you can't get the turkey, then you can get some turkey breast maybe or some chicken, chicken and gravy, let's say. Yeah, how you end up cobbling everything together. Sometimes 
adds to the fun of it, I think. And at least I found other people, they don't know the difference, right? And you're like, no, but it's not perfect. We have this kind of Norman Rockwell sense of, oh, everything has to be just, but no matter what happens in the end, I don't know if you've had this, it's like always, ah, it's just the best anyways. Like just getting everyone together and enjoying the time. It's just an excuse. My favorite Thanksgivings have been the ones where all my friends bring their favorite dish because then one person makes the turkey and then you go to their house or something and then everyone would bring something around and that just was like, oh, you had this really great mac and cheese. That wasn't something I always had. Is the tradition of potluck very strong in the Netherlands? Because in Mexico, I found it's it doesn't really kind of translate culturally the same. If you tell somebody, oh, bring a dish, they're going to bring a bag of potato chips, probably. And then every single person is going to bring a bag of potato chips and you have nothing but potato chips. So I found that to to do it, I've had to like kind of make a spreadsheet and be like, okay, you're winning this. That is more, it's like potluck, but everyone knows what you're going to bring. Remember my son's school had a Christmas party last year and all the parents had to write down what they were going to bring. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do pigs in a blanket. Well, then I realized four other people had written that. But you know what? All those pigs in a blanket were gone by the time the party was over. So I'm like, okay, next year I'm going to make them anyway. Yes. I've been trying to do potluck in a way that like where it really works. And I found that if I don't kind of do more direction, and, and preparation, it, do, it doesn't work as well here. So I think it's like a cultural concept that I was curious, oh, d- does is that a thing for the Dutch? Because I feel like we have similar language, we have some traditions yeah. that are quite similar. So that's what made me ask that question. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I would have a lot of Dutch friends that celebrate Thanksgiving for that matter, but ah. definitely for Christmas parties or picnics or things like that, people will make really nice, fun stuff and consider the people that are coming for mm-hmm. sure. Nice. Maybe that's where we differ too, is that I would say my, most of my friend group is probably half and half, like half expats, half Mexicans or other expats. And a lot of them are like in partners or in relationships where like yeah. one is one and uh, one is the yeah. other. Yeah. So I think I have a, a bigger mix there. Speaking of holidays and getting together, it wasn't that long ago that we were going through COVID and you mentioned a COVID Halloween where you're going room to room, which is awesome. Great idea. <laughs> I know my Thanksgiving kind of fell apart during um, COVID because we used to have maybe 40 people would come to our Thanksgiving. My roommate and I would put on this big Thanksgiving spread. And like we said, maybe half of them were Mexican. So they had no idea what they were showing up for. But then after the years went by, they were like, oh, we love Thanksgiving. It's our favorite party that you have every year. And we trained them up on Thanksgiving. And then boom, we yeah. had COVID. So, of course, nothing. Actually, the first yeah. year of COVID, my roommate and I made a whole Thanksgiving dinner and then we dropped it off at people's houses with like a little plate and we, we covered it in, in foil and delivered Thanksgiving for the people who normally would be coming that year. It was so fun and so sweet. But then the next year, we're like, no, not again. And then, of course, like the third year, we're like, Thanksgiving's done now. Yeah. So I haven't done Thanksgiving in a while. Like I said, it's so difficult because, yeah, if you're working like nine to five, like people aren't really going to take time off to prepare that. And I think the first couple years, all our kids were little or people were still having babies. So it was okay. Somebody could be home early and doing it. And also the house is here so small. So it's kind of tricky. And if you have the one friend that had the bigger house and the big oven who moves away. Who's going to do that? That was a little bit of a bummer. But you give me some ideas. Like, yeah. maybe we should 
Yeah, we have this pretty small apartment. I love it. It's two bedrooms, but we have a little garden area and like my office area. So it's a little bit big. It feels big. And so we would always be able to have a lot of people here, even though it was small, we kind of spread out. But you reminded me, I forgot in comparison to the US, how small the ovens are here. I don't know how your appliances are, but I imagine they're kind of small European appliances. I don't think our first turkey fit into the oven. Oh yeah. Oh, that's probably, yeah, about the same. I have two, which is a big, big deal. (laughs) Imagine. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's definitely the challenges. There's like the cultural stuff, the access to maybe the food and the like, kind of like explaining this is how we want to do it and that's not really how it works out because of work or kids or whatever yeah. yeah but i think christmas is a very how should we say a very universal christian holiday that in europe at least you're probably celebrating ab- about the same time but maybe not in the same way what's that been like for you there yeah so in the netherlands you have sinterklaas mm-hmm. so if you of saint nicholas shortened sinterklaas mm-hmm. but he comes on the 5th of december in the Netherlands, he comes, <laughs> such a, an elaborate story, but he's originally from Turkey. Okay. But then he comes to the Netherlands every year around the second or third week of November. He comes to the Netherlands on a steamboat from Spain. And he's got these, they're not elves, but they're people called Peets. Okay. There's a bit of controversy around the old Pete, mm-hmm. but as expats, we don't talk about that. <laughs> I mean, we right. do, but we don't acknowledge that. And in that time between when Sinterklaas comes in on the boat and on the parade, the Peets might come visit your house in the night and kids here leave shoes out. And in those shoes, you might leave snacks for Pete. That includes these little cookies. Are they like, like sandies in the fact that they're like a sandy texture? No, they're like little mini ginger cookies uh-huh. made with, I guess the equivalent would be allspice, but here mm. they call it crowd notes, mm. herbs mm-hmm. cookie. They're like the size of like a nickel or something. Okay. And well, uh-huh. It's like the minute school starts, they put these cookies out. And so you might leave some of those out and then the kids might get a gift during that those couple weeks leading up to it or they might not from the peats. And it depends on if they visit or not, or they might leave something behind to show that they visited. And the little gold coins are really popular. Okay. And then on the 5th of December, I don't know if I'm getting this totally right because we have not really done this ourselves, but I think the families, you write poems to each other. You have kind of like a nice gathering dinner type thing. And then Santa class usually leaves a bag. There's a big knock on the door and then a bag appears. And in that bag is our presents and gifts usually for the children. And that's usually the Christmas here. But then, and usually Christmas, you might just have one gift exchange or something like that, or it's just a way for people to get together and have dinner or lunch to see different families. And then the next day they have a boxing day like they do in the UK. And yeah, it's just a couple extra days off, basically. It's Mm. not as of a celebration but as christmas celebrators we celebrate christmas we do everything on christmas so mm-hmm. we try to limit santa class but even at school they'll have santa class come to school mm-hmm. and then at christmas santa doesn't visit really santa class is santa yeah yeah in our family we talk about how they're cousins yeah and then santa will come and we leave the cookies out for the reindeer and all that sherry as well mm-hmm. that's funny because santa always drank beer in my house but santa drinks sherry when he goes to your house 
interesting. He's done with beer by the time he gets to the Netherlands. <laughs> yes. Oh, funny, funny. I, I think it's, I don't know about you, but I know when I was growing up, I had a very defined sense of what each holiday was, right? And there were like these kind of like a prescription, right? There was like a run of the show, like, okay, this is what you do. And th- there was tradition in that and that was great and it was wonderful. And I remember realizing how different cultures were and how nuanced they can be. Like you said, oh, he arrives in a steamboat. And me, I'm thinking, well, why a steamboat? Just cause, right? And here in Mexico, there's all these traditions and so many details of the traditions that when each holiday comes around just once a year, it's like I have to learn all the traditions just for this one time. And then I forget about them completely until next year. And then I have to remember all the details of all the things. I forget how ingrained all that is and how kind of automatic it is for like you or I. And then I don't know if you had this trouble learning all the traditions and all the details of those things. And it's not like it's reinforced constantly because you only do it like once a year, each of those things. So for me, it was quite a learning curve to figure out all the differences between like Mexican Christmas and American Christmas, even though they're both kind of both Christian holidays here, more Catholic as well, but like all the little details and all the differences. And I also think too, well, having kids has certainly helped solidify that because they prepare things for these holidays Mm -hmm. or they sing songs and you kind of have to help them with the songs and help them with the shoes. And I mean, last year was the first year that my kids really got the shoe thing. And every day it was like, oh, so-and-so got this in their shoe. And I'm like, okay, we need some rules around these shoes in our Remember, you still got Christmas. Yeah, that was quite a tricky thing to navigate with them because it's just constant. And it's like once St. Martin happens, it's just like a railroad of holiday after holiday. And I think that's probably why we kind of miss Thanksgiving because it's just, okay, we just got through St. Martin. And now we have Santa Claus coming to town the week after. It's just too much. Like for me, I can't keep up. And that's going to be starting soon, I would say. And you're, you're blending American holidays plus Dutch holidays too. I'm here in Mexico. We do have Day of the Dead and we have a whole, like a lot of rituals around that too, which I love too, but they don't have a different Thanksgiving. They have Christmas, you know, kind of similarly. It's a family holiday here. So for me, it's not that much. And also I don't have kids, so I don't have to do all of that thing. But yeah, I feel like at least in the US, at least where I grew up, Christmas kind of started after back to school. Like after back to school, you're suddenly seeing all of it, right? Boom, 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 boom. You had Thanksgiving, yeah. Halloween, yeah, all of the stuff. It was just a huge yeah. domino thing up until New Year's. But I think that a lot of the difference too is like getting off time during those. You can kind of like work your way to, okay, at least I know Thanksgiving, I have Wednesday to Sunday kind of uh-huh. free. <laughs> that you kind of refocus it and then here life goes on it's you still have your weekend activities and nothing's closed and you don't have a church gathering or something related to that or even at school i mean i remember at school like making pilgrim things or probably a bit outdated but that was (laughs) when we were in school yeah yeah (laughs) how the holidays have changed throughout the year right like you said there was the pete thing right the helpers and side of things yeah yeah a lot of changes yeah But it was still, Thanksgiving was about gathering with family and Christmas was also about gathering with family, but you have those breaks Mm. integrated into the schooling or your basically. And here that's just not the case. Yeah. 
it's extra yeah. it's piled on top you're yeah. right i feel the same thing it's like if i want to do this i have to work extra hard yeah. to get it done and i think that's the expat life isn't mm -hmm. it is trying to honor these things and you hope to god that there's some other expat there that's doing it <laughs> who's really into it like you yeah i have a canadian friend here and so his his thanksgiving is first and then we have our thanksgiving and he can't get his cranberry sauce for his thanksgiving because like i said there, there's a costco here that has tubs of cranberry sauce and he will just eat an entire tub of cranberry sauce you know little by little day by day in the fall season and also here now the pumpkin spice like starbucks let's say oh, pumpkin spice latte has reached a craze here that i think it started in like 2005 i'll say the u.s so it's almost 20 years old pumpkin spice lattes <laughs> so i don't know if that's a thing there but to me that's what kicks off the fall season because like we were saying the temperature here doesn't really change that much so one of the triggers to yeah. me is oh it's fall oh because i'm seeing that starbucks has like pumpkin spice yeah oh yeah it's fall now speaking of all the commercialization of all the holidays unfortunately that's something that like triggers me to say oh yeah oh look pumpkin spice it's the same temperature as it has been all year but look now it's fall now i can start celebrating so I would say the equivalent of pumpkin spice in the Netherlands is the kraalnoten or the papernoten, those mm -hmm. cookies I was talking about. But you also can get these chocolate letters. And usually it's like you give them as like the first letter of your name or something. Oh, I was like going to say letters like alphabet letters or letters like like yeah, love letters. Alphabet okay. letters, but you, you might buy one. Since a class might bring one. Oh. It's kind of like a stocking stuffer, but mm -hmm. I guess you might put it with shoes or something like that. That's also another huge thing that you see oh gosh oh no am i stressing you out now i'm like let's talk about holidays lauren you're like yeah let's talk about holidays oh god now it's holidays but every year i get more on top of it ah, so okay. i know pete's on saturday night mm -hmm. that's it your planning has gotten better like how you're going to execute these things gotten better i'm going to buy the gold stuff and the gold coins now and uh -huh. then maybe you forget about it but at least <laughs> yeah yeah the preparation that we need to do i think well first of all we are rock stars like high five <laughs> we're always <laughs> getting this stuff together because you're right we're the ones holding on to the traditions right where yeah. we don't have to do that and it's extra work but you're doing it for your family i presume right to pass this yeah. on to the kids also i don't know about you but like my friend group really appreciates it that i'm like putting the effort it motivates them to do it too like it creates more of an atmosphere so it's a lot yeah. of work but i feel like at the yeah. end of the day then you're like got through it <laughs> but that was awesome yeah. i do have a bit of an out this year with thanksgiving because my family friend is getting married in the uk ah. and he's He's American, but he's marrying a British girl, mm -hmm. and they decided that the night before the wedding, they're going to host a Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. I broke down last year and went to a restaurant. Is it all other Americans as well? So I don't have to round people up like it's already there. <laughs> you don't have to explain what Thanksgiving is and how like the politics of the past are not the same as how we do now. Yeah, you don't have to get into the whole thing. They just get it. That's really nice. That's super nice. It's funny, too, because last year, so we had COVID, right? And I didn't do any Thanksgiving. And then once it was like, okay, to have people in your house again, I was like, yeah, but like you're saying, oh my God, it's just so much work. And I'm the one ends, who ends up doing it all. And at the end, I'm like, glad I did it. But then the one year I was like, no, I'm just not going to do it. So there was one year where we, I think we didn't have any Thanksgiving. And then last year, there's a restaurant, like kind of an expat place, and they were doing Thanksgiving dinner. 
and they had the show and it was going to be great. So we decided to go maybe, I don't know, six or eight of us. And it didn't occur to me until somebody said it. We were sitting there having Thanksgiving dinner and these are people who had come to our house for years for Thanksgiving. And somebody said, oh, are you having fun? And I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. And they're like, oh, good, because we do this for you. And I was like, it hit me that they came because I was excited about Thanksgiving. Here I thought sometimes that I was doing it all for them, but they were coming because they knew that I loved to do it. And it just totally hit me that like, oh, yes, (laughs) Sally Sue, this is the true meaning (laughs) of Thanksgiving. I was like, oh, it was so sweet. And it it just didn't occur to me at all. It's about giving, giving. And giving and giving thanks. And yeah, that is something I like, that tradition of, of saying the things out loud that you're thankful for. I don't know if you still do that, but we've always made it a tradition here is that, and it's not a custom that people are used to here, uh, particularly like other Mexicans or other expats from different places. But yeah, to think and say out loud what you're thinking you're grateful for, because it feels very powerful in the moment. And so that's a tradition I've kept up. Is that something you do? Yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, like I said, I always try to make a pie or something like that every year, at least to, even if I don't get the rest of the dinner together, at least I have one dessert mm-hmm. that everyone, and we always try to do that. And also at Christmas, that's also a good time for us because normally we have another family member over mm-hmm. celebrating with us. So it's nice to be able yeah. to be like, what are you thankful for? And yeah. glad to see you. And I think that's the biggest thing is I think maybe in America, you take for granted people are a little bit closer, but then when someone comes to see you at Christmas and you're in Mexico or in the yeah. Netherlands, you're like, dang, that's something I should really be thankful for. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and just like all the gratitude that I think of throughout the year. I don't know if you feel this way too. Oftentimes I'm thankful I'm not in the US, right? I'm thankful that that's how I had these experiences. This is how I grew up. But now that I'm here, sometimes I look at what is happening in the US and I'm like, ooh, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also that's very great. grateful for that experience. I mean, that's a conversation we have pretty much weekly. And <laughs> really, yeah. Dodged uh, a bullet there. It's the same way with friends that I have. We're like, all similar in that we all kind of got out, right? And we're all here. And so the people that I'm likely to meet are people similar with probably my mentality. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. Putting up with the fact that you can't just buy cranberry sauce on the shelf or (laughs) a turkey at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Let's commiserate together. Yeah. On the other hand, we don't have to experience, for example, I could never stand around this time of year when I would go into a store in the U.S. and they had a candle that was like that cinnamon candle, that like holiday spice candle. And the overpowering smell of cinnamon was everywhere. And that was one thing that I couldn't stand. Pros and cons. No cranberry (laughs) sauce, but no awful smell in in all the stores. My friend, she's, well, she's kind of lived everywhere, but now she's moving back to here. But she's recently been back in the States for a while. And she helped her mom get all of her like fall decoration stuff out and she did a whole video of it so when i was like 20 i worked at hobby lobby and i made all these things super elaborate things she's like i'm sad i can't take these back yes some some people are really hardcore about that i remember growing up my mother in the house always had the christmas plates the christmas mugs the christmas reindeers like it was an explosion of christmas and then what january 2nd everything was put away and I'm so excited, but I'm the only one that gets it and puts it up. Yes. And and if we don't do it, it's not going to happen. Mariah Carey. Yes, that's true. That's true. It's like Mariah Carey season. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's another trigger. There's the pumpkin spice latte. 
And then Mariah Carey. <laughs> and then you're like, it's time. Bring it on. I'm going to I'm gonna do all these things. I love that meme that says it's time to start defrosting Mariah. Uh, yes. I think at the time we're recording this, it's what, like the beginning of October. But by the time that this episode comes out, yes, that should be like, that'll be the title of the episode. <laughs> defrosting Mariah. Because <laughs> I feel like, yes, you need to have those things. Those traditions that you and I are like, no, but you've got to do the thing. And your kids are watching. And your kids are like going to remember that. And I I remember so, the I mean, dishes and the stockings. I, I get that same Spotify playlist stuff every year. Last year, they were really into helping me decorate the tree. Thank goodness. But I think they know mom's about to do it. So in the Netherlands, we bike our kids to school and mm -hmm. my kids sit in this box. Cargo thing. bike, right? Yeah. So they sit in the front. And man, when it's Christmas, it's like a combination of jingle bells and oh. like Mariah Carey and Wham, <laughs> and then some Sinterklaas songs thrown in. Oh. Right. <laughs> that's it. That's like the feeling that you're trying to cultivate. And for you, it's about keeping that alive for like your next they're generation. Right. They're, they're Third culture kids, probably. Third culture kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it just pulls it all together for me. You're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for them and they're doing it for you. That was my realization last year. And the whole point is just an excuse to kind of come together and be thankful yeah. that we can. And I think COVID at least kind of taught me that too, because it was such a lonely time to have like a Zoom birthday and those kinds of things. Every time I think, oh my God, this is way too much work, right? All the dominoes are about to fall. I've got to do all the preparation and all this stuff and no one's going to do it except me. And sometimes I feel a little bit, what, a little put out, a little resentful sometimes. I'm always happy that I did it in the end. Yeah. I mean, definitely putting it in the perspective of COVID. Like you think, oh, I'm so grateful I can do this now. I can see my friends. I mean, I turned 40 this year and I invited everybody to the party. <laughs> I was like, you know, people yes. I hadn't seen in a while. I got to talk to everyone for five seconds apiece. But I was like, we're going to have this. And both my husband and I did. At the same time, we both turned 40, so awesome. we just invited everybody. Oh. Makes you realize, oh man, it's so nice to see familiar faces again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same thing I was thinking. I was thinking about going to a concert that's coming up soon. And sometimes I don't like concerts because it's just too many people and stuff. But then I thought, I was missing this so much back then that I, even if sometimes I think I don't want it, I do want to take the opportunity because what's worse than getting old? Let's say you're like, oh, I'm too old. I don't want a birthday party and get off my lawn. Yeah. I'm feeling really crotchety. <laughs> and what's worse than getting old? Like the alternative is not getting old. And that's even worse. <laughs> it's like if you're not here. Yeah. I wonder as well if as expats, that is even more heightened for us. Yeah. Because we already know what it's like to kind of not be connected as well with like your, yeah. your first culture or yet you've already taken this huge step to kind of move away voluntarily in many cases but some sometimes not for people who have left for other reasons but like you you've taken this step and so you cherish I think a lot of things or I cherish a lot of things that most people don't even think about I don't want to say take it for granted but they don't have to they don't have to think about it but we're yeah. now in a situation exactly. where like we have to make yeah. choices those communities are already kind of in place to go to that whereas in as an expat I feel like sometimes you do have to make the extra effort not only to meet with like-minded people but also to get to know a whole new culture and mm -hmm. figure out like, how can they blend with yours and what's a way to welcoming them into your own cultural activities and things and that takes a lot of effort and yeah and then you feel really grateful when it comes together I think but I think that's why of all the holidays in this time of year I think I've always liked Thanksgiving the most I think Halloween was the most fun 
but I've always felt good inside the most about Thanksgiving because in living in the U.S., to me, I always thought, hey, this is a holiday that's non-denominational, right? Yes, it has its political past problems and things too, but now it's a time where we can say, let's all just come together and be thankful for what we have. And to me, it was always the most, let's say, immigrant-friendly holiday, I felt, because it was non-denominational and because you could all just come together. And it was just really an excuse to do that at its heart. So I think that's why I liked it very much. So let's switch the subject now. We've come full circle. We've gone from being excited about holidays to feeling stressed to now feeling excited, I think, again. I'm really excited. I'm not stressed. I just started thinking about it. So wonderful to see the joy on everyone's faces when there's something from Pete or Mm -hmm. (laughs) something. And all the little things that once you know it more and more, you really start looking forward to it again and again. And for me, it was like, oh, now I understand this thing and this makes sense and this clicks. Whereas often it's like, oh, you just do the thing and I don't really know what I'm doing, but okay, let's do it. And now it means a lot more to me and I'm looking forward to the other holidays and stuff too. Totally. Speaking of looking forward, let's go back to work then. I hear you have some courses, something coming up in January. Tell us about that. Yep. So I'm working with um, a coach, an acting coach named Romy Irene, and she coaches the Chubbuck method, which is something a lot of Hollywood A-listers use for their acting techniques. But she's going to be working, we're mainly going to be working with Dutch or non-English native speaking people. So I'm going to help with the accent work and she's going to do some scene work. And yeah, it's going to be really cool. at the same time. Yeah. So part of the lesson will be working with me and then part of it will be working on scenes and she'll be working with her method on the scenes. I do an eight week course anyway, and I'm kind of condensing that a little bit for this so that actors get a taste of it and then hopefully they can apply it to the scenes. And I can also give feedback there in the moment. So we're going to do that. And then I'm always around to help people with their accents and working on scenes or trying to get their accents neutral. And it's not just for Dutch clients, anyone in the world. Yeah. And you've got a a fair amount of diversity, I think, there in Amsterdam, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh So that's awesome. And where can people find more information about that? If they're there, if they want to learn more about you? My website is lauramander.net. And uh, you can go also on Instagram. I kind of stole this from you, Bianca, but it's Accent Coach Laura. And I my name, L-O-R-A. Yes, that's something I remember. Yeah, L-O-R-A, Laura. And I know when people spell it L-A-U-R-A, in my mind, I'm like, is it Laura? Is it Lara? Is it? I feel like there's so many variations of that name that it's really good to tell somebody, A, how you want it pronounced, and B, how to spell it, because names are tricky. I have the same problem. I don't know if I told you this story. When I was a child growing up in upstate New York, very white, not a lot of diversity there, My teachers could never say my name. I just want to be called like Jennifer. I hated my name as a child. And then as I grew older, I was a teacher and people who would come to me, they would bring their classes. I worked in a museum. And so kids, whole classes would come and I would say, hi, I'm Bianca. I'm your teacher today. And like little girls would be laughing. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, this little girl, her name is Bianca too. And I was like, oh, cool. It's a popular name. And then I found out that it's a very popular name among the Spanish speaking populations. And so when I came to Mexico, I thought, yes, I am off the hook, right? Everyone's going to know how to say my name. Yeah, not quite. Every time I get into an Uber now, they still call me Blanca. So close, but not quite. Uh, Or I get Lorna, Lauren. I've had it as well. Even if we think they're simple, like names are tricky. Be patient with people. Help them out. How do you say my name? How how do I spell it? Did yours come from a particular culture? 
Well, so my parents just liked the name, but it's very common in Italian. It's pretty common in Spanish-speaking populations, too. But actually, I don't know if, if your parents were really into the Rolling Stones, but mine were. And so there was Mick Jagger and Mick Jagger's wife. Her name was Bianca. So yeah, yeah. I think that's where they heard the name. And then they named me after that. But she went on to become like a diplomat. So I'm like, yes, very cool. I was named after an aunt. Family name. Nice, nice. Maybe a fashion way of spelling it because I don't come across many L-O-R-A Laura. Yeah, me neither. But I do like it because to me, it's very clear when you pair the pronunciation and the spelling, you're like, ah, see that, that makes sense and that you're going to yeah. spell it that way. But I find names are always tricky and we, we forget because we're so used to our own name and we're used to like the names of the people around us or our immediate groups. And we forget that can be tricky for other people. My daughter has a complicated name like that. And I was like, oh, oh no, man. yes, yeah. Well, her name is Phaedra and we spell it with the kind of Greek. Ah, gorgeous, yeah, yeah. but difficult as a child, I can tell you. <laughs> but she'll grow to love it if she's like me. I think a lot of people say it's a beautiful, they love the name, but when you go to spelling it, it's a little bit for some people. <laughs> when you're doing paperwork and things like that. Yeah, nice. Well, speaking of Instagram, I have an idea. I, oh. I have a challenge for us. Let's each take a photo of us having traditions, maybe. You, you with your gold coins or with your letters or something I'll like that. The, I'll get the paper notes and I'll get a bag of paper notes and the cookies. Perfect, yeah, perfect. Good. And I'm going to share some Mexican traditions that we have around here. Maybe that's something we could do in our Instagram stories is just share a little bit about how the cultures are different in theirs. So I, I propose this as a challenge. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Great to talk to you as always. I loved our, our topic of conversation today. Cross-cultural holidays, cross-cultural celebrations, what it's like as an expat to experience those things, all the wonderful things that we're grateful for. And I'm grateful to you for taking the time to meet with me today. So love it. Talk to you soon. And we'll keep in touch. See you soon. Bye-bye. See you soon. See you soon. If you found this episode helpful in any way, please subscribe and leave a review. It's actually really helpful to me. Now, before I go, I have two tasks for you to do. First, I want you to register and come to my free monthly masterclass. They're on the last Thursday of the month. In just one hour, you're gonna master a specific American accent skill. For example, the TH sound or rhythm. The Zoom registration link actually changes each month. So the second and maybe more important thing I wanna ask you to do is to sign up for my mailing list because you're gonna get the registration link each month and you're gonna get bonus materials before and after the masterclass that I only send to my email list subscribers. The email opt-in link is down in the show notes. I'm Bianca, your personal American accent coach, and I want you to know that your voice is your choice. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.